Actually, God, God in his infinite wisdom uh, and his planning coincidences that he puts together, uh, I did not realize that when Patty Sue came that we were going to be in Luke chapter 9. I mean, John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We're going to be in John chapter 9 today. And I'm just going to, I'm going to read, read the first two verses to show you how this impacts what we're talking about, what, what Patty Sue's already talking about. As he passed by, he saw the man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he would be born blind? You see, we think being born blind is a mistake. Somehow God made a mistake. Well, he doesn't make mistakes. Even if an administrator of the hospital says God made a mistake, he doesn't. And I, I can't wait to see what God has to do for Marilyn. Because he's, he's going he's gonna to use her to change some family. Psalms 39 tells us what? You, for you, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it well. You may not be able to see it on the outside but you'll see it on the inside. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when it was yet there was not one of them. Little Marilyn God wrote her name in that book before she was ever born. God has a plan for every one of us. When I was born, the doctor stuck his finger on the inside of my mouth and he says, if I had not seen this child born, I would have told you that's a perfectly surgically corrected cleft palate. He said, he said you, would, you could never convince me otherwise. God just knew that I needed that repaired before a surgeon got to me. God formed me. He says, I have plans for you. Now, I don't know what my expiration date is yet, but uh, I think he's going to give me a day or two more. But, the, but every, every Every child has a purpose in God's plan. And I am so glad that he, he brought us to Casa de Fe, put us together. Because I can tell you, and, and you can ask anybody that's been down there. I mean, I, I think Jennifer wanted to bring a couple home in her suitcases. You know, I know Mike did. You know, little, the other Teresa captured his heart. You know, as we see these children, 
But God has a purpose. And here we're going to come to John chapter 9. And I'm just going to read the first seven verses so that we get a look at this story. As he passed, as he passed by, he saw a man blind, born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, It was neither that his, this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied it, applied the clay to his eyes. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Isn't that awesome? Now, I don't know, it doesn't tell us how old this man is, but it says he was born blind. And so however old he was, he had lived all of that time. The neighbor said he begged, so obviously he was an adult. He was begging to, to make a living because he was blind. And we have no idea whether, you know, what his eyes looked like. I remember when I had my accident at 17, and uh, when the doctor sewed my eye up, I had, I had seven stitches across the front of my eye on my cornea, and my eye turned white. <coughs> because the capsule had filled up with the vitreous humor, the white of your eye. And the kids at school used to look at me, and they'd go, ah! you know. That was during the days, remember they had Kung Fu the, and they had the guy that had the white eyes that was the shaman, right? They called me Pearl Eyes. I don't know what this guy's eyes looked like, but Jesus knew that he had been born blind. Now whether that was by word of mouth or, or just by his omniscience, he knew that he was born blind. And he said he was born blind so that I could heal him. Now this guy, all of his life, do you think he went around going, oh, well, one day the Messiah's going to come and he's going to heal my eyes? Probably not. He probably hadn't even heard of the Messiah. Yet. But yet when Jesus showed up, when Jesus showed up, he was healed. And he healed him. Allow God to get the glory because of whatever illness or disability we may have. You ever thought about that? God gave us that for a reason. God's given each one of these children that have a disability, he gave them that for a reason. Little Telmo just got his forever family. Oh, and, and it, we've been watching online as they've, they've showed Telmo was one of those kids. He's uh, 11. Yeah, and, and little bitty guy, and loved to, loved to play with Don. He'd get Don to chase a soccer ball everywhere. That'll teach Don to bring soccer balls with him to Ecuador. And he got his forever family. 
<coughs> in uh, Minnesota? Mississippi. I knew it was an M. He got his forever family, and he just had surgery on his back, and, and it looks like he's going to be able to walk without a walker now. Isn't that awesome? And, and the family's motto is, everything's better with Telmo. That was that one of the purposes. I don't know what God has for Telmo when he grows up, but I know it's good, and it's for the glory of God. You see, we have to look at, a, at, at the, our disabilities or our illnesses. You know, we, cancer's never a good thing. It never is. But you know what? God can use it for his glory. If we let him. We've just got to look at it in that way. 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about his problem. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to, give me from, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. He didn't want whatever it was. And he said to me, What? My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness and with insults and distresses, with persecutions and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul realized he had, a, he had a pride problem. So when God sent this thorn in the flesh, he was able to say, I don't like it, God. Three times he told God, I don't like this. Take it away. And God just says, no. I have you right where I want you. And you're going to be more powerful because you have this. Well, the, the next thing I want you to see is that God heals exactly the way he wants to. You know, we, what do we pray when somebody's sick? We say, oh, God, do a miraculous healing. God, do this, do that. But God heals the way he wants to. There's five times now, now one of the things, uh, he healed many, many blind people because that is one of the things that was that uh, anybody that asks, is he the Messiah? He would tell them two specific things. Tell them that the lame walk again and the blind see. Those were two things that you'll see every time somebody says, is he the Messiah? He said, tell them this. So healing blindness was something, but there's five recorded times in the Bible where Jesus talks about how he healed. One of them, he just spoke. And their blinded eyes were healed. In two of them, he touched, or excuse me, in, in uh, three of them, he touched their eyes. 
One of them, he spit in their eyes. Now that's kind of, you kind of go, whoa, I don't know about that. And then look at this one. He spits in the clay. Now, that's, I don't know about you, but that's a whole lot of spit, and my mouth would be pretty dry. But he spits, and then he puts that. You ever heard the expression, you got mud in your eye? Here's mud in your eye. Where do you think he came from? Here's mud in your eye. Jesus took that mud. Now, if you've ever gotten mud in your eye, it's not comfortable, is it? Sometimes healing is not comfortable. He had to have somebody lead him all the way down to the pool because he's already blind, and now you got something in, irritating in your eye. I can remember, as I told you about, when I had my eye surgery and I had those stitches. Oh, man, they would drive you nuts. Had them in there for two weeks. Every time you'd blink. They actually patched that eye shut to keep me from blinking, put a big pad on it so I couldn't open that one at all because they're just irritating. But Jesus heals exactly the way he wants to. We don't get to choose. And this guy, all the way to the pool, he's probably going, "Ah, ah, wow, that hurts. And he got to the pool and he rinsed his face into the pool of Shalom and was healed. Now, do you realize he didn't know who did it other than he knew his, na- he knew his name? Because I'm sure people were talking about Jesus, but he, he couldn't identify that person. Anybody ever ro- read the history of Fanny Crosby? Wrote many of the gospel songs that we sing today, many of the hymns. Fanny Crosby was blinded at age six by a doctor who, uh, who put a uh, poultice on her eyes and made her go blind. She was not only a prolific writer of gospel songs, of, of hymns, she was a very prolific secular writer. Isn't that amazing? She just had the gift. And one day she was at a, a big function and a lot of the publishers of, of not only hymnals, but of secular music, said, said, Fanny, why do you write these hymns? You don't make any money off of hymns. They don't pay you anything. I can pay you a lot more than they can. Just write secular music, and I will make you rich. You wouldn't even know Jesus if he was standing right in front of you. And you know what her response was? I shall know him, I shall know him. When redeemed by his side, I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him. By the prince of the nails in his hands. God heals exactly how he wants to. Fanny Crosby, another song that she wrote, his face will be the first to welcome me. The first person that she will ever remember seeing in, 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 in this whole world, 
there'll be the face of her Savior. Boy, isn't that amazing? Well, we're going to go on, and I'm going to summarize the next part, 9 through 13. This guy goes out, and he, he stirs up a bit of a controversy. You see, some of them are saying, Oh, isn't this the man who was born blind? The man who used to beg? Verse 8 says, uh, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? He used to sit and beg. But he was changed. I don't know what, I mean, whether he was physically changed, his eyes looked new, but he certainly wasn't doing the things he used to do. He was changed, and when God gets a hold of you, he changes who you are, what you do, even the way you look. You guys, you've been there. I love to go, I love to sitting in airports when I have a layover. I love to go to the airport and, and, you know, just while you're waiting for your plane, and I look around, and I'm like, Who's, who are the believers in here? You ever do that? For me, that's a, I, I love doing it, because I look around, and I'm like going, oh, there's a person. They'll have a big smile on their face. And you, you'll see them over there listening to, their, listening to their Christian music with their ear pods in, you know. And I'm like going, oh, watch this. If I'm with somebody, I said, watch this. And I walk over, and I say, do you know Jesus? And they'll go, Oh, yes, I do. Do you know Jesus? You can see it in their face, and they can see it in this man's face that he knew Jesus. But what's the other part? It caused a huge controversy. The neighbor said, is this the guy who begged? He looks different. And some of them said, no, it's somebody else. It's his doppelganger, right? Every, everybody has, a, has somebody else in the world that looks just like you. Oh, I pity that person. Look just like me, goodness sakes. But it caused a controversy. And then he got, he got down to the temple, and, uh, they had, and of course Jesus, being the man that he was, did it on a Sabbath day. Right? He said, all right, guys, let me show you. This guy needs to be healed. He's been waiting all his life to be healed. I'm going to heal him today. I'm not waiting until Sunday. I'm going to do it today. And he had the audacity to make mud. That was the problem. He may, if he had just touched his eyes, that wouldn't have been near the problem. But he went down and made mud. And then he had the audacity to tell this guy, go to the pool of Shalom and wash. It's, it's the Sabbath. What are you thinking? Jesus was causing all kinds of problems <coughs> for the Pharisees. And then they said, well, we've got we've to figure this out because this guy says he was healed. We don't believe him. Call his parents in. Call mom and daddy. So mom and dad come. Now there's now we have a real problem. Because the Jews have already said anybody who, who says that Jesus is the Messiah, we're going to throw them out of the temple. They're no longer welcome at, at the synagogue if they say that Jesus is the Messiah. 
So mom and daddy get there and look at verses 20 and 21. His parents answered them, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But now he see, but how he now sees, we do not know. If who of who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. Because his parents were worried about getting kicked out of church. Oh goodness sakes. This is their son that was born blind and now he sees. I mean, they should have been jumping up and down. Wow! You no longer have to beg at the temple. I don't think they were very impressed with their son in the first place if they let him go beg at the temple. They should have said, Wow, my son has his side back. Everybody come see. But they said, No, ask him. We don't want to get kicked out of the temple. We might lose our status in the community. Jesus causes dissension among families even. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you, no, but rather division. And if you follow this passage on out, he says, he says mom, will be, mom will be against, mom and dad will be against children, children will be against mom and dad. He causes controversy. They couldn't even stand up for their son. Yeah, he was born blind, and yeah, he sees now. But we don't know who did it. Matthew tells us ten, in 10.32, Therefore, if everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before the Father who's in heaven. Isn't it more important to have the blessing of God than the blessing of the church? Absolutely. Another principle I want to take out of this. We need to stand up for what we believe. We need to let people know. I'm, I'm a born again, fundamental, Bible preaching, soul sinning, or soul reaching preacher. Soul sinning. I, I mean, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm going to let everybody know and let the chips fall where they may. You know, I, I'm afraid if I would have been at the hospital when the doctor said you can't operate on little Marilyn because she doesn't have enough brain, I think I would have take, taken Psalm 139 and said, here, you see this? You just put yourself in the place of God because this says that God, this child is made in the image of God. He formed her in her mother's womb. What do you, how can you say she doesn't, she shouldn't have this operation? We, we, what? God took care of it. Sometimes we just need, because we, I would cause a mess, you know. You know, here's security coming. Out he goes. There's that gringo that gets thrown out of the hospital. But we need to stand up for what Jesus stands up for. That's why we're having the courthouse prayers on May 5th. I hope, I hope you all turn out for that. Because we need to stand in the, in the, at the courthouse and proclaim Albany doesn't belong to Satan. We, we have, the church of God is alive and well. And we're here to pray 
for, for, his, for God to be exalted in our community. We have, we have on September 17th, we're going to have the Convoy of Hope. It's going to be sponsored by, by the churches in Albany. And people are going to come and see that God shows up through the church. And we need to show up for him. Now it goes on. It, it even gets better. Because this guy has got his sight back. And he knows who Jesus is now. He, he's found out this is Jesus that did this. And the Pharisees are just hounding him. Even after mom and dad says, yeah, he was born blind. And he, and he tells them, then we come, uh, I want you to look at verse 26. <coughs> For they said unto <coughs> excuse me, for they said unto him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> oh, I love being the days when I was first born again. Oh, nobody at high school was safe. It was awesome. One of, our dear friend, one of my dear friends, she now lives in Independence. Deb Sweet, just a good friend. And Keith Haley and I, they, her, she didn't grow up in the church. Keith Haley and I, my, my best buddy, we would go pick her up on Sunday morning, bring her to, to youth group or church, and then bring her back for, Sunday, or for a youth group in the evening. And she got saved. And we got to watch her be baptized. And then there was Mitch. And there was Wes. And there, we just, I mean, when we got saved, it was like everybody's, tag, you're it. We want you to get, we want you to get what we got. Verse 30 through 34, he does it again. He says, the man answered and said to them, well, here is an amazing thing. That you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opening the eyes of a person born blind, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born entirely in sin and you're teaching us. And so they put him out. They kicked him out of the church. Because he was healed. Wow. That sounds like a good thing to do, right? Oh, to have the courage of a new believer. To have the courage to, to say, I'm a Christian. And, and I... I want to show you from the Bible how you can be one too. I want to show you how the, from the Bible how God can set you free. The courage of this young man to sit, to sit there and talk to the Pharisees. That's what's awesome. I mean, this guy, he's never read, think about it. He had never read a scroll in his life, and he's talking to these guys who studied it every day, and he says, don't you know the signs of the Messiah? 
open your eyes. God opened mine. That's what he's saying to him, to have that courage. Revelation, when Jesus sent them, wrote the letter to the Ephesians, what did he say? But I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you've fallen and repent and do the deeds that you did at first. What was it like when you got saved? What was it like when you were a young Christian? They had forgotten. They had forgotten what it was like. And and Jesus tells them, repent. Go back. We should remember often what it was like to be that young believer just full of of, oh, I've got to tell people about Jesus. They had forgotten. And Jesus said, I have this against you. We need to remember that, that first time that we came to know Jesus. And we need to share like we believe it. You see, we can get kind of, uh, <laughs> I'm born again. I've been saved for 40 years. I've read through my Bible 35 times. Right? We can kind of get a little over spiritual. And we forget that the Holy Spirit is there going, sick them. Right? I hope the Holy Spirit's telling you to sick them. Well, let's look at the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 35. John 9, 35 to 41. Jesus heard that they put him out. And finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered him, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Yes, yes, I want to. Jesus said, You have both seen him, and he is the one that is talking with you. And he said, (coughs) Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, so that those who do not see may see, and those those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. You see, they were blind and didn't even know it. But I want you to notice something in verse 35. And when Jesus heard that they had put him out and finding him, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? You see, Jesus went looking for the man that was cast out. Jesus was looking for him. Did you know Jesus is looking for you? Jesus is looking for the unsaved. He's going to find them. In Luke chapter 15, it talks about the good shepherd. And it says, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the open pasture? 
and go for the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together all of his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety and nine righteous person who needs no repentance. John or Luke continues in chapter 15 and he talks about the prodigal son. The prodigal son ran off. He said, give me my inheritance. I'm going to run away from home. He runs off, and he spends it, and, and we won't go into all that. He ends up in the pig pen, and he finally says, I want to come home. I want to come back to my father. And, he, and he, he rehearses his story, and it says in verse 20, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Can you see that? I mean, here's dad sitting up on the ranch on the porch in his rocker. And he's looking out across the fields and the trail that comes over the hill. He's been sitting there for day after day after day waiting for the sun. Passerbys would come down the trail and he would look. Ah, that's not him. He would, somebody else would, oh, no. Then one day over the hill he comes covered in filth Clothes and rags. That's my boy. That's my son. He gets up off the chair. He starts walking. Now remember, he's he's an old guy by now. <laughs> Pretty soon he says, I'm picking up the pace. That's my son coming down the road. I'm picking up the pace. I'm picking him. That's my boy. And he meets him and he grabs him and he wraps him up in a big hug. And he doesn't say, Woo, you stink. <laughs> he says, That's my boy. He's home. He puts a kiss on his cheek. And then he says, the father said to the slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate. You see, Jesus is always Looking for the lost. He is looking for those who have strayed. 
whether it doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter the mess that we've made of our life. A couple weeks ago I sang a song for Palm Sunday when, when he was on the cross I was on his mind. Oh, he looked across eternity and saw each one of us and what we needed. He saw us. And he says, I'm coming. I'm coming to find you. You may be lost, but I'm going to find you.